Have you ever read a passage of scripture and looked at it and said, there is, there's, just, there's just no way that that could be what God is saying? Have you ever read a passage of scripture and thought to yourself, there's just no way that that can be what that really means? There's, there's just no way, right? I mean, it just doesn't seem to, to, to go along with the rest of scripture. It doesn't seem to uh, connect with the message of the Bible. And you read something and you think to yourself, there's just, that, that can't be what it means. Well, today we're going to look at a passage of Scripture that you may have heard, that you may have read before, and you may have thought to yourself, there is no way that this should be in the Bible. There is just no way. It just doesn't make sense. It's not every day that you hear, hate your family, sacrifice everything, give up everything, and follow Jesus. And hate yourself while you're at it. It, Hate is such a strong word. It's a, you know, from when our kids are little, we tell them, don't say hate. Don't, don't say the word hate. It's a strong word. And yet in today's passage, we hear Jesus say this very strong word. And the people that he says it about, it just doesn't seem to make sense. And we think to ourselves, there's got to be some better explanation for when Jesus says, hate your family and hate yourself and sacrifice everything and give up everything and follow me. What is he talking about? Well, we've been talking about following Jesus on Sunday mornings. We've been talking about this, this teaching series we're going through called Burn the Ships. And it's based on the legend of Cortez, who uh, legend says that when he arrived on the uh, eastern coast of Mexico near uh, modern-day Veracruz, that he... Um, set fire to his ships after deboarding uh, as a way of saying, basically, we're not going anywhere. We're, we're staying here. We're committed to this mission. We're sold out. We're dedicated. There's no going back. And as Christians, we are called to have that kind of dedication and devotion to Jesus, that full, fully devoted, sold out, committed followership as we follow Jesus. This is what he expects of us as his followers so we've been talking about following jesus and the passage that we're looking at today to really break it down and boil it down into to one phrase is, is that jesus has got to be number one jesus has to be number one we're a society that loves winners right we love number one we love being number one we love being on the winning team we love rooting for the winning team we love number one. We, there's a, a phrase that was on a t-shirt from Nike that said, second place is just the first loser. We don't like second place as much as we like first place. Nobody remembers who the Green Bay Packers beat for the Super Bowl last year, do they? Unless they're a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. And, you know. But uh, we know that the Packers won the, the Super Bowl last year. And we know that... A year, yeah, it was last year. It was less than a year ago. It was earlier this year, actually, Emma. But, um, <laughs> but we like first place. And you know what? Jesus wants to be first place in our lives. He will not settle for second place or anywhere else down the, ri- down the line. Jesus wants to be first in our lives. So this morning, we are going to deal with this question because Jesus says something very, very harsh 
Very, very difficult to hear. And the question is, can you be his disciple? Can you be his disciple? Grab a Bible and turn to Luke chapter 14. We have been looking at these passages from the book of Luke that talk about what it means to follow Jesus. And in five of the six passages we're looking at, it actually uses the word, Jesus actually uses the word follow. And that is the case today. He talks about what it means to follow him. Luke 14, starting in verse 25. And we're going to look at verses 25 and 26 first. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. The first blank on your outline, if you in your redesigned bulletin, if you turn in there, uh, there's an outline, the handy-dandy outline. I believe it's on the, is it on the fourth page now? It's on the back of the bulletin, the fourth page. It's on the back of the bulletin, the handy-dandy outline. The first blank on that, on that outline is hate everything. Now, I would love to be able to tell you. I'd love to get up here and say, that's not what Jesus meant. Or that's not really what Jesus said. That it's a mistranslation of the Greek. I'd love to be able to tell you that. That the Greek word for hate is not the word that is used there. That somebody kind of went overboard one day when they were translating the Bible. And uh, let's say hate. The Greek word is there. And it's the word hate. Hate your parents. Sorry, Mom and Dad. Today's your 40th anniversary. And congratulations, happy anniversary. But uh, Jesus says to hate you. When I was a teenager, it was easier than it is now, but <laughs> hate your parents. Sorry, Shan. Says, sorry, Jonathan. Says to hate your wife, your spouse, hate your children, hate your brothers and sisters, <laughs> even yourself. Hate yourself. And, and sometimes we may think, well, that's not so hard. I don't like myself very much. I don't do the right things. I don't, I'm not a good person. But you know what? I, and so I hate myself. That's not what he means. You see, while Jesus said, hate your parents, your brothers and sisters, your, your spouse, your child, yourself, it's what he said, but it's not necessarily what he meant. You see, it's a hyperbolic statement. It's a statement of hyperbole. And basically it's a way of exaggerating in order to make a point. And the point that Jesus is making, the, the construction of the Greek and the construction of the Hebrew that, uh, from before, because it talks about this in the Old Testament, the construction of the Greek and the Hebrew literally means to love less. To love less. And what Jesus is saying is that we are to not love anything more than we love him. We are not to love anything or anyone more than we love him. And see, when Jesus said to hate family, essentially, hate yourself, this would have been as shocking as to the people who first heard it in the first century as it is to us. 
Think about the fifth commandment, for example, in, Deuter- uh, in uh, Exodus chapter 20. The fifth commandment, honor your father and mother. One commentator said that to honor one's family obligations, to honor your, your father and mother, was the highest calling of a family. It was the highest calling to honor and, your father and mother. And your family was considered to be your greatest joy. How many of you like your families? I love my family. I love my family. I love uh, getting together on Christmas Eve uh, at uh, one of my siblings' houses, and we, we celebrate Christmas together as a family, and, and we open presents, and we have just a great time. And I remember ki- as kids growing up and sitting around the dinner table just having a blast, telling stories, making fun of my littlest brother. He's eight years younger than me, and uh, when he was in elementary school, he would tell us these crazy stories that didn't make any sense and didn't go anywhere. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Any of you have, you know, little kids, you know, they tell you these wonderful stories about their day and everything. And it's like, okay, all right. You know, and they're kind of just kind of going off on this trail and and you have no idea who they're talking about. They're talking about all these different kids at school. It's like, oh, okay, all right. But even still, it's so great because your kid's telling stories and it's like, this is awesome. You know, I, I just, I love my family. I love my wife. I love my, I love my son. I love my mom, I love my dad, I love my brothers, I love my sister, I love my aunts, my uncles, I love my family. And I love myself. I don't hate myself. Otherwise I wouldn't take care of myself. So you think about, you know, is Jesus really saying to hate your family and hate yourself? And like I said, it's not what he meant. It's what he said, it's not what he meant. He meant that we cannot love him less than anything else. We must love him First and foremost. And really what he's doing is he is repeating one of the most important concepts from the Old Testament. In Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 5, God said to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. What does that mean? It means to love God first and foremost. To love God above everything else. It is a positive way of saying what Jesus is saying in a negative way. So what Jesus says for shock effect, basically hate everything, the Old Testament says in a very positive way, which is love God above everything else. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying, is to love Him more than anything. To love God more than you love your parents. To love God more than you love yourself. To love God more than you love your spouse and your children. To love God more than you love your brothers and your sisters. To love God more than you love your church family. To love God more than you love your neighbors. To love God above everyone and everything. That Jesus has to be in first place. Jesus has to be number one. We have to value our relationship with God more than we value any other human relationship. We need to live to please God rather than living to please others or ourselves. That's a tough thing. We like to please other people. We like to put a smile on their face. We like to do things for others, right? And we and we like to and sometimes we'll make sacrifices for other people and and I think that what God is telling us is don't sacrifice me for anything else. I got to be number one. There is no second place when it comes to God. You know, if we're living to please others more than we're living to please God, then we'll put push God to the back burner. And he, and 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 we'll we'll you know we'll we'll avoid difficult conversations. 
to keep the peace, right? We won't talk about Jesus to our, our parents or to our brothers or sisters. We won't talk about Jesus to our, to our family because, well, I just don't want to go there. And so we'll value that relationship with our family more than we will value that relationship with God. When we know deep down inside that the most important thing that your family can hear is the good news of Jesus Christ. Or we will we'll skip church for a, a family thing, right? We'll skip church for a reunion. We'll skip church for some kind of family event. You know, eh, we'll go next week or we'll have family day. And I'm not going to go to church this week because we got this family thing going on. And it just, the question is then is what is most important? Worshiping God or spending time with family? But what you don't understand, who's number one? What do you love most? But I love God. Okay, do you love Him most? Well, I love Jesus. Do you love Him most? That's the question. Who do we love most? What is more important? Honoring your family or honoring God? Loving God or loving yourself? Loving God or loving your family? Not saying that you can't love your family. Not saying that you can't spend time with your family. But when it comes to your relationship with God, what do you value most? Who is number one? This is hard stuff. This has been a really tough message series, a really tough teaching series for me. Because it's very controversial. And, 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 and it, it, it means that we, there can be no wishy-washy when it comes to being a Christian. There can be no halfway. There can be no, you know, part-time Christianity. That Jesus is calling us to sold-out devotion and commitment to Him above everything. That Jesus has got to be number one. And we don't like to hear that. What does our world tell us? Look out for number one. Who's number one? This guy. Or the world will tell you, your family is so important. Your family is the most important thing. Or your health. Your health is the most important thing that you have. Or your job is the most important thing that you do. Your house is your most important investment. The most important thing that Jesus says. Jesus says the most important thing has got to be me. It's not that Jesus is self-centered. It's that Jesus is Lord. He is Lord. He is King. He is number one. Second point in your outline is to sacrifice everything. Luke 14, 27. And anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. The cross is a place of death and sacrifice. Jesus went to the cross. He went to his cross to be the sacrifice that would save the world. The sacrifice that would bring forgiveness to the world. Mike in his communion meditation earlier talked about that. About how Jesus is the sacrifice. The one who can bring us forgiveness. And if we will, if we will believe in him. And if we will repent and turn away from sin and turn to God. And if we will confess our faith. And if we will be baptized and follow Jesus the rest of our lives. If we will do these things. 
We will be forgiven and we will be freed from the guilt and the consequences of sin. We will be free from the, the, the consequences that, that lead to eternal death, separated from God in hell. We will be free and we will be forgiven and we will go to heaven. If we will put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ and we will obey Him in baptism and we will follow Him all the days of our lives, by His grace we are saved. By His grace we are saved. In Jesus' day, condemned criminals were forced to carry their crosses. They would take the middle beam of the cross and they would tie it to the shoulders of the criminal and they would parade them through the streets. And they had to carry their own cross. This was not a foreign concept to Jesus' followers. This was not a foreign concept to the people of, of Jesus' day. They, they knew what this meant. When Jesus says you've got to carry your cross, they knew that means you are marching to your death. You are walking to your own death. You are condemned. You had to carry your own cross. And Jesus is saying to be a disciple, to be a follower, to be a Christian, you've got to carry your cross. The cross is a place of sacrifice. And we give, we sacrifice everything for Jesus. In Luke chapter 9, Jesus said that we have to take up our cross daily. If anyone would come after me, he must take up his cross daily and follow me. Deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. It's about self-sacrifice. And this is a day, I think the reason Jesus said that we have to do this daily is because it's a daily battle. It is a daily battle that we fight against the self. Because the self is, is always striving for our attention, striving for our focus, striving to be number one. Please me, take care of me. It's all about me, 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 me. The self battles and fights. We have to put the self to death. That's what taking up the cross means, is to put the self to death. Selfish desires, selfishness, self-centeredness. Because everything in us is going to say, take care of yourself. Our time. Oh, time is such a commodity. Time is so valuable. I can't sacrifice my time. Jesus said, sacrifice everything. But I need time for me. I wake up, I try to wake up every morning by 6 o'clock so I can have what I like to call me time. I need my me time. I need to sit down at the computer. I need to check my Facebook page, right? Who checks their Facebook page first thing when they wake up in the morning? Okay, thank you, Sharon. I'm not the only one with my hand raised. Goodness. (laughs) Sharon, you and I are the only freakazoids in the room. I need that me time. I need to watch the, the morning news and, and check it out. And, I, and, and at about 6.18, if it, I hear the door open, and here comes the little guy. Hi, Dad. There goes me time. But we want that me time, right? We need, we, I want that family time. And we're not willing to sacrifice our time for God. Are we willing, or maybe sacrifice our money? Well, I, I earned that. I, I, you know, it's my money. I don't want to sacrifice my money 
to help the poor, to help somebody for the less fortunate. We've got this holiday food basket drive coming up. We're collecting money to buy gift certificates for families who, uh, to buy perishable food so they'll have a, a good uh, Thanksgiving or Christmas dinner. Can you sacrifice a little money to help somebody out? Can you sacrifice a little time to help out the church? To help out in our children's ministry, our youth ministry, help out with our fellowship ministry, help out in the women's ministry, or or help out with the men's ministry, help out with the small groups ministry. Can you take some extra time and join a small group Bible study? That'd be a great idea. Get involved at more than just a pew-sitting level. Like I said, we're going to take up a special collection in a couple weeks for the holiday food baskets. It's going to be November 6th. Think about it. What can you sacrifice? Can you sacrifice something to help those who need it? Or maybe we need to sacrifice some kind of sin. Maybe we've got some sin in our life that's become too routine, too habitual. And we need to sacrifice that sin. We need to crucify that sin. Because it's become too much a part of our lives. The self has taken over. And it's time to take up the cross. The last blank on your outline. Before we get to the last blank, Jesus gives two, two illustrations. I just want to touch on these real quick. Suppose one of you, verse 28, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Will he not first sit down and estimate the cost to see if he has enough money to complete it? For if he lays the foundation and is not able to finish it, the tower, everyone who sees it will ridicule him, saying, this fellow began to build and was not able to finish. (laughs) Verse 31, or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Will he not first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. Jesus is saying that it is vitally important that we count the cost. Can you be his disciple? Can you live this life of hate everything and sacrifice everything? And the third blank on your outline, which is give up everything. Can you live this life? Estimate the cost so that you don't get halfway through the marathon and go, I can't do this anymore, I'm quit. Don't give up in the middle of the game. Count the cost before you ever start. Can you be his follower? Can you be his disciple? Can you do these things? It's funny that Jesus, the two examples that he uses of the man building the tower, um, there was a a well-known story in his day in 27 AD that a large amphitheater was poorly constructed and collapsed and killed 50,000 people. And then there's the idea of the king. And it's interesting that recently before this, before Jesus said this, that King Herod Antipas uh, of Palestine uh, lost a battle against a wealthy Roman landowner. And Jesus brings these things to the people's mind, these, these ideas that, that you know, they could see that if you're going to do something halfway and if you're not going to count the cost, don't even bother getting started. You've got to count the cost of what it takes to be a disciple. You hate everything, you sacrifice everything, and lastly, you give up everything. Verse 33. In the same way, any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple to give up everything in acts chapter 2 verses 43 through 45 we see this wonderfully illustrated in the lives of the early christians all the believers were together and had everything in common selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need i want to brag on our church for just a moment i love you guys i love this church family And I love how generous you are and how kind you are. 
And one of the things that we did recently at the first of the month was we had this giveaway garage sale. And I kid you not, if you didn't come by to see how much stuff was donated, we had that entire fellowship hall. We probably had 25 tables of folded clothes, kids' clothes and and household items and adult clothes and and, uh, baby clothes. About 25 tables. We filled the entire um, rack, uh, coat rack, with hanging clothes. And then we had two other racks that we constructed for hanging clothes. I mean, there was probably, and, and here's the thing, is that through your generosity, we were able to bless several families and several people who really needed it, because you're, you were generous, and it's a wonderful, uh, so proud, ministers so proud as all of this stuff shows up, and it's good stuff too, it's really nice clothes and really nice items. It's not like you went through the attic and went, eh, you know, I don't need this leisure suit, this polyester leisure suit anymore, so I think I'll donate that. No, it was nice, really good stuff, and I really appreciate it. And I'm, like I said, I'm really, really proud of you guys. It was really, really great. And we were, like I said, we were able to bless some people because they were will- people were willing to make a sacrifice. And people who sacrificed t- their time to come and be a part of it and to help out, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. And I really, really appreciated it. And the question is, is then, how do we, how do we spend our time? How do we spend our money? How do we spend our resources? Are we, how do we treat others who are less fortunate? Jesus calls us to make sacrifices. Are you willing to give up everything? The, the people in Jesus' day, and the people in the first church, in the early church, when they were literally just, you know what, I've got a, I got a piece of land, I'm going to sell it, and I'll give the money to the disciples, the apostles, and let them distribute it to the poor. That's awesome. They were willing to sacrifice for the betterment of others. For the family. If you know somebody who's in need, one of, you, we got this, like I said, I'm going to brag on, on the folks doing the holiday food basket, the outreach team. You know, if you know somebody who's in need, let our church bless them. Talk to Tom and Sharon or Tony or Mary and talk to these folks and say, hey, how can we help? How can you help at this level? You can do it. We can do it. Following Jesus is not a one-time thing. It's not a make a decision, come forward on a Sunday morning, get baptized, and then never, never show your face again and, and think, all right, I'm good. Following Jesus is a daily thing. Take up your cross daily. Follow him daily. It is a day in, day out, 24-7, 365, next year, 366, 2012 is a leap year. It's every single day we follow Jesus We love him more than everything. We sacrifice everything that we got to sacrifice. And we give up everything that we own. Even if we have to give up everything that we own, we give it up for him. And we put him first in our lives. And then we can answer that question. That question that the sermon asked today. Can you be his disciple? Father God, I pray that today that you would help us to be your disciples. You would help us to make the hard choices, the tough decisions, and help us to put Jesus first, that we might love him more than everything. We might put him before everything. Thank you, God, for this tough teaching, for the 
for the expectations that Jesus has of us. Help us to live up to those expectations. Help us to be your disciples. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.